0: Welcome to Locked On NFL, your daily podcast on the National Football League. I'm the number one daily sports podcast network. Happy Thursday, everybody. It is a Twitter Thursday. Matt Williamson and myself answering your questions on Twitter. Uh, we've got some good ones. Plenty of questions to get us through this episode. And as you know, we tend to get long winded, so we'll probably hit fewer than... Then we'd like to. Um, First, there is a a new bit of news that affects the team I cover, the San Francisco 49ers, running back Raheem Mostert requesting a a trade, Matt. I want to talk about your fantasy league, the Scott Fishbowl, which really kicks off this whole thing, too. But as far as league news goes today, the big news around the league is, uh, you know, a starting caliber running back Raheem Mostert being paid like a special teamer that he had been for the first six years of his career. 28 years old requesting a trade now that it's looking like he could be the number one back in San Francisco. When you're the number one back for a Kyle Shanahan team, you tend to put up a lot of output and a lot of yards and he wants to be paid like that. Uh, What was your takeaway before I give my input with Raheem Mostert requesting a trade officially through his agent and his agent made it public on Twitter?
1: Yeah, and... and a couple of things came to mind. Is first, first of all, you would think running backs want to trade into the Shanahan system, not out. Yes. Um. You know, I mean, it's very helpful for your bottom line and the back of your football card. Um. You mentioned he's 28, so he hasn't made any money by NFL standards for a 28-year-old. So you might as well shoot your guns while you can. I mean, it's probably the highest your stock's going to be. Can't hurt you to roll the dice. I don't think he gets traded. You may know a little more about this or not. I don't know. I do I mean to put you on the spot. But from what I read, he has some incentives in his contract that kick in a year from now. So, like, after a good year this year, he could start getting them. Maybe the Niners would bump that up a year for him, and and that would make him happy and everybody wins. But I bet this is more smoke than fire.
0: Yeah, and I think it's just a last-ditch last effort for his agent to try to get a little bit more for his client before the season. Yeah. I don't think anything's going to happen. I think the 49ers will take that under advisement and file it, you know, in the, in the, uh, in circular the, waste paper, bin. yeah, in the circular bin. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. And so, um, and th- they've had some talks and there's been reports all off season that they have had some talks and he's due a raise because yeah, he's outperformed his, contract as a he was a highly paid gunner he's two and a half million dollars and basically he wants a couple more million he wants to be in line with what Tevin Coleman is getting and in my opinion he's better than Tevin Coleman so he deserves that money but right now I mean he just got re-upped before last year so he doesn't have any leverage really so I I don't really see much happening I think that the 49ers have offered him a little bit he wants the four and a half million that Tevin Coleman is getting and I don't think the 49ers want to spend that much money at the running back position and last year they were the number two team counting fullback because Kyle Juszczyk makes double what the next closest fullback makes in the NFL the 49ers were the paid the second most money to their stable of running backs in the entire league and they have no star running backs and so that might surprise some people how much money they're already spending there they need to re-up George Kittle Uh, I just don't think they have enough wiggle room to give Mostert everything he needs with what they've already paid some of their other running backs and I, I think next year I think next year Mostert would have the opportunity to make a lot more money, and I think if he played this year under whatever the 49ers are willing to give him, maybe toss him another mill or whatever they had talked about, whatever the 49ers were willing to do, and the way I understand it, they were willing to give him a little something, prove you're the guy this year, and he could be in for a much bigger payday down the road. I think playing another year as the number one back in a Kyle Shanahan offense will ultimately make him more money. Than if he got just a little bit more he more now and redid his deal, It actually benefits the 49ers to give him a little bit more now than, and lock him in for a couple of years because he might well outperform that this season. If he is the number one back and gets the most carries and gets 200 carries, like I think he should in this offense. And then the 49ers could trade or, or cut Tevin Coleman. That would make the most sense to me. Actually, the more I think about this situation, because I fully believe that Raheem Mostert will have a monster season, but He has no track record. He hasn't proven that he can carry the load, and uh, that's why right now is probably not the right time for him to get paid. But he's 28 years old, and running backs don't last long in the NFL. Some running backs' careers are over. His is just starting to break out at this point in his late 20s. So I can understand why they want to strike right now while they have maybe a little bit of leverage just because of how well he played last year and into the playoffs to maybe get a little bit more money. But I just don't see it happening for Raheem Mostert right now.
1: Yeah, uh, very well said. You're obviously on top of the situation. One thing I just wanted to expand upon, though, and I didn't realize it, but it obviously makes a ton of sense, is how much salary cap money they have devoted to the running back position. And I remember when that was one of the first moves they made was they signed check, made him the highest paid fullback ever. And a lot of us didn't understand at the time, but obviously that is paying off dramatically, and we see how that plan is in place But that same offseason, if I'm not mistaken, they spent a lot of money on McKinnon, and we weren't doing Mm -hmm. regular shows at that point. I was very critical of that move, and I didn't criticize him as much for spending it on Coleman because I thought Coleman was a pretty good receiver that we haven't seen and the Shanahan familiarity. But as smart as the Niners are, and I do think they're one of the more cap-savvy, better-run organizations in the league – I think with a a gun to their head, they would say, we need to make our running back room one of the cheapest in the league with the system we play.
0: That's exactly what I've been saying. And that's what's surprising about Shanahan is he's actually tried to put a lot of resources into running back. They traded up, remember, for Joe Williams in the first draft 2017 when they took over. He never played a snap in the NFL and actually got overtaken by Raheem Mostert, who was already on the roster from the Chip Kelly era. Um, got taken over by Mabrita, who was an undrafted free agent that year. They spent a bunch of money, too much money on Jarek McKinnon to be a dynamic receiving back in his offense. so I know he had an idea of how he wanted to use mcKinnon. I think that was more as a receiver than even as a runner. then when Tevin Coleman was still available in the second wave, they gave him four and a half million dollars so uh twelve and a half million dollars per year is what they had the last couple seasons on McKinnon and Coleman and you're not getting you know that that's elite running back money. they could have had a, a true number one star type of back that you're paying that much money to. So I've been surprised knowing the Shanahan offense, knowing what they've done with running backs in the past, dating back to his father and Olandis Gary and uh, some other running backs. I mean, the list goes on and on. It would seem that that would be the one position that he wouldn't be that worried about spending a bunch of resources on, but for, So far, since 2017, they actually have. I expect that, though, to change going forward because they have too many other big-ticket items. They just can't spend on running back. And and locking in Mostert now would probably make the most sense. That's your best chance of having the best back. And then McKinnon, Coleman come off the books after this year. Then you keep filtering in some some young players, some late-round draft picks, and, and see what you have there at running back. That would make the most sense to me going forward at that position for San Francisco.
1: Yeah, I I totally agree. So uh, good stuff on that. Let's move on to some of these Twitter questions and Scott Fishbowl and all kinds of stuff to discuss before I hit the beach here coming up here at the end of the week.
0: Yeah, let's do that. Matt Williams going on vacation. So Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, if you see see a guy walking down the beach that looks like he's got some serious pickup hoops game, could work inside, (laughs) probably Matt Williamson you're seeing on the beach. (laughs) All right, yeah, let's talk Scott Fishbowl. Twitter Thursday coming up. If you're looking for auto parts an amazing selection, easy to navigate website, reliably low prices. You don't need to look any further than rockauto.com. Whatever you need, brake parts, engine parts, you need a tailgate like our colleague Ross Jackson of Locked On Saints. His tailgate off his truck was stolen. He went to rockauto.com, found a replacement, repaired his tailgate for his pickup truck. Classic cars, your daily driver, Everything you need for your car or truck at rockauto.com. They're a family-owned business, been around for 20 years, helping you find parts online at rockauto.com. No different price structures for mechanics or do-it-yourselfers. Reliably low prices. Right locked on in the box so they know we sent you. Go fix up that old car. Keep your new car running. Go to rockauto.com. All the parts your car or truck could ever need. I'm feeling a little FOMO here, Matt, with the Scott Fishbowl that's going on because this is the first year in about four years I have not done the Scott Fish Bowl. For those of you who don't know what it is, uh, Scott Fish is a fantasy analyst and he's been running the Scott Fish Bowl that has grown and grown and grown to a thousand teams now. Um, and Crazy. there's money that he makes for charity with his thing. It's really cool. But the one thing for me that it signifies is it's the kickoff to the football season and fantasy football. It means training camp's about to start up and so many analysts and so many fans and so many people are involved in the Scott Fishbowl. It's really fun. I'm not involved this year and I feel like I'm kind of missing out because this is like really when you jump in, it's like, okay, let's get ready for football season.
1: Yeah, and I have now made um, a handful of picks here. I think 10, just made two more. I'm picking at 111, so I just kind of wanted to buzz down what I've done. And as you know, and probably some of our listeners don't, his rules are really out there, and it really gives a lot of thought to them. It's very Tight end centric. I mean, it's very quarterback centric. It, it's a super flex league, so you can start two quarterbacks. So it's not just like, oh, I'll wait for my quarterback. They go quick. And I had the 111, and uh, just to give you some idea, Mahomes went 1 3, Lamar went 104, Kelsey went 107, Kittle went 108. You know, so that's not a normal draft. Um, I had planned at the, you know, picking 111 and 202. I was gonna get a back. I was gonna get a quarterback. And when my t- my my spot rolled around, there was Derrick Henry, Joe Mixon, Nick Chubb, um, some other guys I considered were like Miles Sanders, Josh Jacobs, Kenyon Drake. I mean, there were a lot of backs I liked, but there was also, in my opinion, the quarterback I was would have to take. It would have been the first one in tier two. And I don't usually like to be the guy that takes the first player in the in their respective tier. But I did anyways. I took Deshaun Watson, came around the corner, and got Joe Mixon. So I don't love those picks. I don't think I stole them or anything. But in a format like this, you can't get behind the eight ball at the quarterback position. Um, and in any fantasy draft, you better get every down running backs.
0: Which means that next tier of running backs, I don't know what tier Cam Newton was in, but you don't see him going as high as round five. But that's a real boomer bust pick, I think, for you there with uh, with your second quarterback.
1: Yeah, I I was very happy to get Newton there. I got Melvin Gordon and Allen Robinson just to add a receiver to the mix with my next go-round, and then my fifth pick was a second quarterback because, again, you can start two of them in Cam Newton. I don't know that he'll be back to being a top-five fantasy quarterback, but I bet he does quite well there. And then my sixth rounder was A.J. Brown, which I was kind of shocked he lasted that long. I think he can be, he's about to be a star.
0: Oh, my first takeaway with this draft that you pulled off here was I love your wide receiver group. These are all the wide receivers I'm targeting the most in my leagues. To get Allen Robinson early in round four. Like you mentioned, there's some quarterbacks and tight ends going earlier that might not push him out of round three, but Allen Robinson in round three, I'm all over it. He could legitimately lead the league in receptions this year. A.J. Brown, star in the making there to get him in round six, and a player we've talked about before, Pittsburgh Steeler in round 10, Deontay Johnson, who I think is going to be a massive steal for people in fantasy leagues as well. So I love that wide receiver group. You came back in round 12 with Emmanuel Sanders too. So, I mean, um, just just stacked there. And I love your TJ Hawkinson pick as well in round 11 because in a tight end centric league, he's definitely a breakout candidate there. So this roster you're putting together has some serious upside, which I love.
1: Yeah, I was pretty happy about it. Like I didn't feel like I could stress wide receiver. You can't attack everything. But like you said, I agree with you. Robinson Brown, Deontay Johnson, Sanders is just a leadoff double. He's going to be fine in that offense. I think I'm loaded at tight end, even though I didn't have to pick one real high. Hunter Henry and then maybe a breakout candidate that could surpass him throughout the year in Hawkinson. I mentioned Watson and Newton are my quarterbacks. And then I'll often start three running backs with Mixon and Melvin Gordon as every week starters. And roll the dice on Darius Geist. Didn't mean that to rhyme, but it sounded kind of cool. And Keyshawn Vaughn, I thought, was of really good value as late as I got him, too. If he's the number one in that offense, he's going to score fantasy points. But I don't love him.
0: Oh, absolutely. But rookie running backs, that's the one. I stay away from rookies. I love second-year wide receivers, so... you know, that A.J. Brown pick even more. If it's not a keeper league or a dynasty league, I usually avoid rookies except for running backs. Rookie running backs is where yeah. you can find some great value, especially someone like Keyshawn Vaughn. wasn't a first-round pick, but a sneaky selection, a starting running back in in round nine for you here.
1: Yeah, I, I think he's got... I'm betting on him to be the Bucks' most productive running back. I, I don't trust Ronald Jones at all, and I don't think Ronald Jones is good in protection, which is not going to adhere himself to uh, Mr. Brady so well.
0: Right, and then... Keyshawn Vaughn might be someone who doesn't start week one, but is starting week, Mm. you know, seven through 16.
1: Yeah. And at that point, too, the running backs was in any fantasy draft or pick through. I mean, you can get a guy with the 107th pick that could be his team's leading rusher. I thought it was worth it.
0: Do you have any celebrities in your draft room? I know one of the things Scott Fishbowl does is try to throw some celebrities involved. There was a WWE wrestler that was in my league, I think, last year. Uh, so that's always a fun wrinkle. Did you get anybody famous in your division?
1: Well, I think it's one of those cases. If you look around the table and you don't see the sucker, you're the sucker. So maybe I'm the celebrity <laughs> in this room. <laughs> no, I, mm. I, there's, I'm not the celebrity in this, in this 12-team draft, but I don't know. I don't get out much, but none of these names ring a bell to me as people that would be highly recognizable. I mean, uh, Chris Cirpasso from CBS Sports is somebody people might know, Matt O'Hara from Dynasty Nerds, but yeah. celebrity's a strong word.
0: No, no, no celebrities here. I've seen a lot of analysts, though. This is an analyst heavy yeah. division for sure. I think <laughs> you're the powerhouse, though, Matt.
1: I might be. I might be the guy everyone's looking <laughs> at, you know, the, the odds on favor.
0: They're like, oh, great. We got Williamson this year.
1: Yeah, it's, a, it's a long, it's no fun being in a league with me. I can promise you that.
0: Oh uh, yeah. But I'm definitely feel like I'm missing out now. Cause this is the kickoff to the fantasy football season, getting you ready for training camp. And uh, I've really been trying the last two years, especially this year to back off fantasy leagues and play a lot Hardest, fewer. Right? And there's been no fantasy baseball for me this year. So I literally since January 1st, haven't played a single fantasy league so far. So there, there are a couple of old leagues that I can't get out of that I've been doing for a decade in the football season coming up, but, um, yeah, the, the Scott fishbowl is one that I, I sadly had to cut ties with because I just, I've really been too busy and and I I end up not paying attention when I have so many fantasy leagues. So trying to dial it back.
1: Yeah. And being too thin, it makes it no fun and no fair, not fair to anyone. However, one last fantasy note is I leave for the B. We're going to just pull back the curtain. We're going to record, record two shows today. Give you one tomorrow with the Chiefs, you know, Locked on Chiefs people, right? Tracy. Tracy. Yeah, it's going to be and, fun. And, but I'm going to be on the road. I'm leaving tomorrow morning to drive to Hilton Head, which is like a 14-hour drive or 12-hour drive or whatever. Oof. But unfortunately, my last rookie draft in Dynasty, um, the, the owner was worried there might be a supplemental draft, so he held off on the rookie draft. Opens tomorrow morning while I'm flying down the highway for 10 hours. That's, it's hard to manipulate the draft board when you got kids in the back and you got to get your fam to help. head.
0: Oh man, is there somebody that you could trust to be your no. uh, scouting director in the car?
1: No, no, not okay. even you. Not well. The son is starting to have some have some faith. I mean, might be able to, Might be a very good inaugural setup for my son. To be honest with you, okay. thirteen years old knows more football than I did at that age. Interestingly, my son Michael, he takes after. We talked about my athletic genes the other day with, when we were talking hoops. Unfortunately, he's slow footed, like him, like his father and his mother. But he is super into equipment right now. Like he wants to be an NFL equipment guy. I am like, that's not a bad gig, dude. You know, I mean, it, it, you run an entire equipment room. He knows every, you know, with Madden now, they know every face mask, every cleat, every helmet. Uh, I didn't know any of that stuff at that age.
0: Oh yeah, not at all. I was like, okay put a helmet on my head. Let's go.
1: (laughs) Right. That's,
0: uh, yeah, that's interesting. A lot less competition for, I think that job than maybe some other jobs in the league. That's a, that's a smart move by him.
1: Right. And if you get with a team, you might not have to move all over creation, like, you know, getting fired as a linebacker coach or whatever, but maybe when the world quiets down, I can get him into Pitt's locker room or the Steelers locker room and he can see it a little bit. Love it.
0: Great. He hit some Twitter questions here.
1: Yeah, let's do it. Sorry, we kind of cut things short on Twitter Thursday, but we can use them down the road. (laughs) I
0: like this question from JDS. He says, is Mike Williams the best Mike Williams to ever play the league? Well, first of all, which Mike Williams (laughs) do you mean? I I assume he means the current Mike Williams. Is he the best Mike Williams
1: to ever play in the league? He's better than big Mike Williams, the Lions receiver. He's better than big, big Mike Williams, the Texas first-round pick lineman.
0: (laughs) The, the, The offensive tackle?
1: Yeah. I mean those guys were were high pick. all three of them are high picks. Yeah. All top 10 picks I think. Yeah, all top 10, yeah. Was there some Michael Williams that we don't know about, you I'm know? Trying to think
0: of any you other low-key mike Williams. Those are the three that yeah. jumped to my mind. Um
1: speaking of my son, his name's Michael Williamson, and I don't think he's going to change the bar though. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know.
0: <laughs> he could have a longer career than all those Williams put together.
1: Right, right. Um, could be here's could be, a, I always think of equipment guys as like red in the Shawshank Redemption. Like they're they're guys that know yeah, how to get things.
0: There you go. Um I would consider the current Mike Williams the best already. Yeah I would I would take that stock over the rest. So yes, the answer is yes from me. Here's my question to you, big Mike Williams, USC wide receiver Mike Williams. Is it strange to you how that USC team, that powerhouse, five star recruits everywhere, USC team, it feels like every pro
1: is he the bush liner team yes so reggie bush
0: the, matt liner game yeah they all sort of disappointed in the nfl right is that strange to you that they yeah. were so good they because you look at those miami teams they were those hall of fame nfl players too you look at the usc team and i feel like a lot of them really disappointed yeah. when they got to the play that white
1: was the other running yeah, back Lendell white was not remember they three good. They had three linebackers drafted really high, and Clay Matthews did well, but the other two did not. Like Malaluga and Maluga, yes. Cushing, they were okay. Taylor Mays was on that team.
0: Taylor bust. Mays, huge bust. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Wow. You're right. I wonder, and I don't know this, but I do know that, you know, like Texas was known for this whenever they could just recruit anybody that they don't have to work so hard. It could be somewhat of a resort environment at some of those schools, like North Carolina was known for that. They were—they look great coming off the bus. Texas was known for that when I was really in football, you know, college, fifteen years ago or whatever. That they could just—they didn't have to bite and claw to be the best team out there. I wonder if work ethic had something to do with it. I'm just guessing, but Pete Carroll was a coach, right?
0: Yeah, that was the Pete Carroll era USC Trojans. Uh, there's probably some I'm not—I think Clay Matthews.
1: Yeah, he was. Had, he was one of those three the, linebackers. He had the he best NFL career,
0: right? Throw Casey on that team. Maybe I feel like we're missing some offensive linemen. That was pre-Trent Williams. That was who was. I'm, I think I feel like we're really missing somebody who was.
1: I'm amazing. sure that we are. But the top guys. I mean, Bush, Leinert, May. You know, there was a lot of big names, like you said, Big Mike, that didn't exactly excel.
0: And I guess it was just a factor of they had so many, like every position, they had a four or five star guy that were really good that were pros, but not necessarily great pros but they were good enough at the college level that they just were stacked everywhere that that's why they were so dominant
1: Mm -hmm. i will say though i mean reggie bush was about as good a college back as i can remember
0: it almost looked too easy and it kind of was i think on the college level compared to when he got to the pros fascinating stuff drafting ain't easy folks all right more twitter thursday coming up Can't stop thinking about this Reggie Bush draft and those USC teams. I think Reggie Bush would have a better career now.
1: Now. Yeah, absolutely.
0: But I kind of saw that coming. Some people got mad at me. I remember I had a a college radio show then, and we were talking sports, and I said, yeah, you know what? I would not take Reggie Bush number one overall. And My two co-hosts at the time, who I since worked with in the radio industry a little bit, they were blown away. They thought I was out of my darn mind saying that, (laughs) and and they got really mad. I compared him to Eric... Uh, Eric Metcalf
1: and not that Cleveland dissimilar,
0: Brown. right? Yeah. And so I was like, man, he's not going to run circles around NFL players like he did against Fresno State. And some people I actually personally knew were on that Fresno State team. And it was like, those aren't NFL players. He's not going to run wild like that. And I thought, you know, he's going to be a good situational back. He's not going to be a true thumper. And I, I just didn't see it with him. And I, I think I was pretty on with that. Eric Metcalf, he might have been better than Eric Metcalf. Eric Metcalf was an amazing yeah. return man, though. And, he was uh, an awesome player, change of pace. Metcalf would be pretty useful today. Right, absolutely. Both those, So both of those players, maybe ahead of their time, would be more useful now. But uh, I didn't see it with Reggie Bush, uh, Matt Leinart. But some of those other guys, it's just like, man, you're too talented. How did you not have a better so, pro career?
1: I think an easy scouting mistake that everyone can make, but especially fans that are just casually watching, is... These guys that excel in space, I'm putting that in quotes, that we'll just get them out in space. Well, you could do that in college when you have five-star recruits blocking for you and the hash marks are super wide and you can get them to the wide side of the field and the linebackers chase them from Fresno State or your buddies that are accountants or in the music business and not NFL linebackers. But getting space players, quote, in space, the Dexter McClusters of the world, the Terrell Austins of the world, doesn't work very often at the NFL level.
0: I'm looking at the roster right now. This is the 2004 roster. Leinert, Matt Castle, Reggie Bush, Lindell White. Castle
1: was their best quarterback.
0: <laughs> Castle had the best pro career, right? You, just having that yeah, one. Right. Castle's one season in New England, I would take over Matt Leinert's entire pro career probably. Absolutely. I'm, trying, I'm looking for some names that that we forgot. So Steve Smith, the other Steve Smith, Dwayne Jarrett. So again, like those solid those stacked boss, at right. wide receiver for the college game, but not great pros.
1: No, absolutely. Lendell White and Dwayne Jarrett took official visits at Pitt when I was there. Oh, really? Yeah. Jarrett was from New Jersey.
0: You blew that one. Come on. Lind. You couldn't land Lendell White, Matt?
1: He was from Colorado. He's the only guy we ever recruited while I was there from Colorado. I don't know how that connection existed, but. He was interested for some reason.
0: Here we go. Ryan Khalil, Sam
1: Baker, Not bad.
0: Lofa Tatupu. It's okay. Keith Rivers, Lawrence Jackson. Yeah, Rivers was
1: the linebacker I was thinking of.
0: Yeah, Rivers, there you go. Um, Sean Cody, Lawrence Jackson. See, all these guys had pro careers, but no, yeah, no standout.
1: Decent high picks, too. Right. Nobody hit. I mean, Clay Matthews hit. Was he on that team?
0: Clay Matthews was on, I believe, came out either the year, I think he is the year before.
1: He might be younger than that. Yeah. He's
0: still going. Right, wait, yeah, he must have been 2000. Oh, yeah, you know what? Maybe he was. Let's look at 2005. John David Booty, solid name. <laughs> this is great. Going down memory lane here, just reading off names from a sheet. Um, I, yeah, you know what? I guess. So Brian Cushing's here in two. Yeah, Clay Matthews, Brian Cushing.
1: And Rivers, Rivers, I that think. That was 2005.
0: Was the three. Yeah, that was the, the Leinert senior year
1: okay it's funny like remember is another thing that i talk about kind of like the space player conversation Liner's it's a perfect example of that guy that why did he go back to school he would have been the first pick in the draft uh, no,
0: you know he got picked apart stuck yep. into
1: him would he really have been the first pick in the draft
0: yeah there was nothing wow about him physically right and he no. had so much talent that was the one question i had about deshaun watson it was the it was the liner thing. It was like your team was so good in college. I, I, I just wanted to see a tick more on his fastball. I wanted to see a little bit more arm coming out. It's the only reason why I wasn't like, okay, this is the number one overall prospect in this draft class. That was the one thing. And with Linert, those questions were warranted. With Deshaun Watson, those yeah. were obviously not warranted questions. Like he was he was the real deal. He was legit. And that's why so many teams passed on him. You look back at the first round of that draft, he had no business falling out of the top 10.
1: It's funny you brought that up because I love to pat myself on the back for being the guy that said Mahomes is the best quarterback in that draft. So I bring it up often. But he, I miss on Watson too, who's I, I just did quarterback ranks for something else. Someone just asked me, and he was my number four quarterback in the league right now. And I had the exact same concerns. Was I thought, boy, he's a good college football player, surrounded by great players, and the leadership's obviously there and the toughness. I thought Watson was going to throw a million picks in the NFL because he threw a lot of picks at Clemson, put the ball in harm's way a lot, was certainly a risk taker. And I thought his arm would make it even worse in the NFL, you know, just taking risks on long out routes and things like that. But it hasn't been the case. Let's keep a little
0: bit of this draft talk going here this is a question from steve he said maybe it's too early to tell how will they sort out the draft next year if a full slate of games isn't played or worse no games played at all could it be adp over the last x amount five years okay so he's talking about how they're going to figure out the draft if there's if there's no if there's no uh there's no games played how do you figure out the draft i think we're going to go back to i think we had this question before where um we we went back to when the Pittsburgh Penguins got the first pick in the NHL draft after a strike year, right? And it was a lottery system.
1: Um, That doesn't ring a bell. Uh, I do remember having this conversation. My Penguins thing that I always talk about is truly tanking when they sent their best goalie down for the last month of the season and brought up a guy that can't stop any pucks so they could get Mario Lemieux. That that's probably what okay. the, the penguin conversation Yeah, I was thinking about the,
0: uh, the Sydney Crosby draft because that was after the strike year and they didn't have,
1: Oh, you maybe you're right about that.
0: They didn't have a way to figure that was a out a lottery. Yeah. So they did a lottery and they broke it up into, they used a three year average where they broke it up into ping pong balls. So if you didn't make the playoffs over the course of three years, you had three ping pong balls. If you made it once you had two ping pong balls or something like that. So it was a three, two, one system of ping pong balls. And I think the, I think the league would do something similar to that. Maybe not that exact route. Maybe they would just go back to the 2019 records and be playoff teams, non-playoff teams. And so if you were a playoff team, you wouldn't have a chance with the number one pick. Everybody else would or break it up into thirds. Actually, they already do that for the supplemental draft, right? They break it up into thirds. It's teams with five or fewer losses, teams with more than five but didn't win or uh, fewer than five wins, teams with more than five wins that didn't make the playoffs and then the playoff teams. So you probably just have to look at the supplemental draft is how they would try to figure it out. Whether or not they go from just 2019 record or a, a three-year average or something like that, I don't know. But I bet it would be something close to that supplemental draft.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I don't know that answer. It's funny because I'm sitting here. Remember, I was flying down the highway when I heard on the radio, the Pens won the ping-pong ball contest and got Sidney Crosby. And knowing that he was an elite prospect, I was like, hey, I was screaming like crazy. Um, yeah, but anyway, a great moment. I, I think the mistake, and I and I don't you didn't suggest this, but if they would just say Cincinnati, you get the first pick again, Washington, you're picking two, that'd be horrible. Like no. that's too much. That's too rich for the Bengals for Washington. Absolutely. It's too rough on the teams picking late.
0: It would have to be some sort of lottery. It absolutely yes. would have to
1: be. Yes.
0: Last one here. This is from Cass on Twitter. He says, which is more important? Quarterback or head coach GM Duo? Example. In a draft that includes a head coach GM duo and players who are the top five or so on your big boards. So wow, you could have either Patrick Mahomes or you could have any combination of head coach GM in the league. Who are you taking?
1: Hmm. I mean, in this case, I think I take Mahomes.
0: Yes, I do. I do too.
1: But philosophically speaking, if they were equal, I just would have a higher grade on Mahomes than whoever that number one combination is and i'm not sure who that is i mean is it belichick at his age maybe not you know whatever um and i also don't know that Mahomes would do quite as well if he'd get drafted by jacksonville i mean obviously right. it's a you know it's a uh montana walsh you know i mean great coach combination brady belichick they wash each other's you know they wash each other's back so to speak in a nutshell i think i'd rather have gm coach though if my grades were the same with the hope that they could draft the quarterback or find the quarterback. Cause yeah. the, the Stafford in a st- tough situation never gets his guy, never gets a team on his track. You know, that might not be the best example, but you know what I mean?
0: If I was putting a big board together and I was getting uh the the year 2000 version, Bill Belichick, I'd probably put him over. I mean, you would have to put him over even Patrick Mahomes may, but, but like if I was doing one right uh-huh. now, I think about Brady, age. both of
1: them rookie yeah. year, Yeah, you know.
0: So, but right now I would still take Mahomes number 1, but after a couple of picks I think we'd start choosing from head coach GM duos for sure.
1: Yes. I yeah. mean like if the top 20 picks, maybe 12 of them would be GM, co- you know, coach combinations.
0: Yep, absolutely.
1: Yeah. I mean cuz I, I we we opened this, this, this talking about the Niners, but like the Steelers are going to be competitive after Ben leaves. I mean they're not going to be a 3 and 13 team. You know what I mean? Like Right they'll figure it out and be they were eight and eight last year you know i mean there's teams like that that aren't going to go away they'll they'll find some answer it might not be as good as the last one you know i I would definitely lean towards building from the top down frankly i might take ownership over all of them
0: i was just going to say that throw ownership (laughs) into this because it trickles down so um and it's pretty clear the teams that care and teams have good ownership also have good head coach gm duos
1: yeah, they have patience, they hire right, they you know, those type of things. And every team not get gets lucky, but can have good years. But it's not an accident that the Lions haven't won in a million years and the Browns and Cincy, and, and, and you know, it's the same teams and there's a fifty year stretch to look at. All right.
0: We gotta go here, Matt. Good stuff. Thanks for all the questions, everybody. Apologies if we did not get to yours. We'll do it again next actually, we'll do it again in two Thursdays because Matt will be on vacation. Next week, tomorrow, we'll kick Matt Williamson out the door to his beach vacation, and we will chat Kansas City Chiefs with host of Locked On Chiefs, Ryan Tracy, right here at Locked On NFL.